This program is brought to you by Preserve Gold, the number one precious metals IRA provider. Call 855-962-3322. Three American companies raided in as many months. Their China-based offices targeted. As Beijing officials say China's national security is involved. Those actions come under changes to Chinese spying law, and foreign business groups in the country are getting rattled. Welcome to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. Overseas business groups in China are getting rattled. It all ties back to Beijing's clampdown on consultancy firms, which officials say involves China's national security. Now, state media report that authorities have raided the offices of a third firm in just three months. Here's more. Beijing's latest crackdown on a consultancy firm in Shanghai is sending chills throughout China's business community. State broadcaster CCTV reported on Monday that police had raided CapVision partners over concerns of national security. It comes after authorities targeted two other U.S. due diligence and consultancy firms in March and April, and ahead of changes to the country's anti-spying law that could ensnare more companies. CCTV said officials found that CapVision had accepted projects from overseas companies to source information, including state secrets and intelligence, on sensitive sectors such as defense and advanced technology. A unit of a major Chinese investment bank dropped the consultancy's services. In an internal memo confirmed by sources with direct knowledge, CICC Capital's research division banned all teams from using CapVision for due diligence-related expert calls and inquiries. It added that the research teams should also review previous dealings with CapVision. CICC declined to comment. CapVision posted a statement after the CCTV Monday report saying it would resolutely abide by China's national security rules. Foreign Ministry spokesman Wang Wenbing said on Tuesday, authorities had, quote, publicly brought under control the relevant companies. But the probes are rattling overseas business lobbies in the country. The EU's Chamber of Commerce in China said the crackdowns, quote, send a worrying signal and heighten the uncertainty felt by foreign companies while the American Chamber of Commerce in Shanghai called on authorities to more clearly delineate the permissible areas of due diligence. Meanwhile, a U.S. firm is facing scrutiny over its dealings in China. According to the Wall Street Journal, the Biden administration is launching a probe into one of Rockwell Automation's China-based facilities. It is feared that the automation giant is exposing critical U.S. infrastructure, military, and other government access to potential cyber attacks. The Milwaukee-based company sells factory automation and robotic software, catering to industries including aerospace, marine, and automotive segments. Worth noting, it also provides software and cybersecurity services to computer platforms used by the federal government. The probe will focus on staff members at Rockwell's facility in Dalian, China, who might have access to software codes connected to those critical platforms. A Rockwell spokesperson said that the company hasn't been notified of any investigation related to the matter, but is willing to cooperate with authorities. The investigation comes after Washington's global efforts to counter Huawei, a Chinese telecom giant that came under fire for national security concerns and intellectual property theft. Sam Wang, NTD News, New York. 
a cake flying through the air in a conference hall in Germany. The unique protest happened during Volkswagen's annual shareholder meeting. Things got heated as activists and investors voiced their concerns about the company's operations in China. Around 10 activists shouted accusations at the company's CEO, accusing Volkswagen vehicles of being manufactured using forced labor. Their banners read, End Uyghur Forced Labor. The United Nations has raised alarms about China's treatment of Uyghurs in Xinjiang, known locally as East Turkestan, suggesting that it may constitute crimes against humanity. Beijing has consistently denied this. Investors also called on Volkswagen to request an independent audit of its plant in Xinjiang. The plant is jointly owned with Chinese state-owned company SAIC. Ralph Brandstetter, Volkswagen's China chief, defended the company's position, saying, quote, we do not see any evidence of human rights abuses at the plant. Tensions reached a boiling point when an unidentified activist threw a cake at a shareholder, causing commotion near the stage. Volkswagen's supervisory board chairman had been speaking on the stage at the time. While the world is throwing off the shackles of COVID-19 in certain parts of China, pandemic control measures are making a comeback. Last Friday, the World Health Organization's Director General declared that COVID-19 is no longer a global emergency, marking a symbolic end to the pandemic. Yet, on the same day, mass COVID-19 testing resumed in Dongguan, a city in southern China. The mandate will last for eight consecutive days. The notice stirred up fears among the public about the possibility of a new outbreak. Many people were panicked and worried when the news broke. Each test comes with a fee of about $2. Some question whether the mass testing mandate was driven by interest groups seeking to leech off the benefits. They used to impose these tests just for money. I didn't feel well for two months after doing these tests, so I stopped. Then the police came with vaccination officers and forced me to do them. The testing rollout follows China's Labor Day travel boom in early May. Many reported symptoms like sore throats and coughing after the five-day break. Universities, including those in Beijing and Wuhan, have reset their quarantine sites, some already overflowing with patients. Responding to the WHO announcement, China's top pandemic control officials said the country will remain vigilant and move forward with vaccination efforts. Beijing didn't drop its strict zero-COVID-19 policy until late 2022. The regime touted a decisive victory over the virus in February, despite mounting doubts and accusations of lacking transparency. New milestone bans are getting slapped on one of the world's fastest-growing social media apps. Chinese-owned TikTok has been staring down the barrel at growing restrictions globally for some time. Now a new country is joining the effort, and one U.S. state is taking its limits a step further. The app will soon join the no-fly list for government-managed devices in Austria. The nation's interior minister announced the news Wednesday. Asked whether politicians would be able to keep using the app on personal devices, he explained it will be banned from work mobile phones. On private phones outside the state network, it will, of course, be possible to use the app. Back in the U.S., Montana is taking it a step further, passing a new bill that would block the app from personal devices as well. The measure is called SB 419. It cites many of the same concerns echoing worldwide. Espionage, influence and data theft from the Chinese communist regime, plus dangerous, sometimes even lethal trends circulating among the app's younger audience. 
The measure would criminalize offering the software for download on app stores, enforced by an up to $10,000 fine on companies found to offer it. The rule would not make using TikTok illegal for those who already have it, nor would individual users face fines. Governor Greg Gianforte is expected to sign it. If he does, it could take effect in January. TikTok has hinted it would fight the bill. At least 34 U.S. states have already barred the app from government devices. Countries like the U.K., Australia, Canada, India and several European Union members have done the same. In March, President Biden also said TikTok may face a ban on the federal level if its Chinese parent ByteDance doesn't divest ownership. NATO may soon get its first significant foothold in Asia. Japan is in talks to open a NATO liaison office confirmed on Wednesday by Japan's foreign minister. The office would be its first of its kind in Asia for the U.S.-led military alliance. Japan is currently facing its own threats closer to home amid rising regional tensions and a fragile global landscape. So North Korea's uh, uh, intensifying the activities of uh, missiles and maybe the further provocation such as another nuke test uh, might be possible. But North Korea isn't Japan's greatest challenge. And also China uh, is a greatest challenge for us. So that's why uh, including all those things, uh, our security environment becoming so severe and complex. This as the war in Ukraine continues. NATO members largely come from North America and Europe. Leaders of four Asia-Pacific countries were invited to NATO summit for the first time last year. Australia, New Zealand, Japan and South Korea. NATO's 2022 strategic document also highlighted the threat of the Chinese communist regime as a priority for the first time. China could be on the brink of losing a major player in Europe. Italy says it's weighing whether to leave China's global infrastructure initiative, known as the Belt and Road. Italy caused a stir back in 2019. That's when it became the only G7 nation to sign on to the investment pact. The G7 includes the world's seven wealthiest nations. But now, the nation seems to be having second thoughts. Italy's prime minister recently told House Speaker Kevin McCarthy that her government is in favor of exiting the deal. As a member of the Belt and Road, Italy has been called a middle power bridge used by Beijing and Moscow. That's because Italy is part of three major alliances in the Western world, NATO, the European Union and the G7. In 2021, the European Central Bank's former governor froze the Belt and Road Agreement when he took power in Rome. And now, with the country's new government, geopolitics has entered the spotlight. The former governor had signaled support for Taiwan, which Communist China sees as its own territory. That's despite the Chinese Communist Party never having ruled the island. But deepening economic ties with Beijing, such as the Belt and Road, would put that promise in jeopardy. Italy has until the end of the year to decide whether to renew the Belt and Road deal. The two most influential countries on the European continent align their positions on doing business with China. German Foreign Minister Annalena Bayerbach delivered what she termed a common European message this week, along with her French counterpart. You mentioned that you are welcoming the Chinese Foreign Minister in Paris today. I spoke to him yesterday in Berlin, and here, as there, he hears the same message, the same European message. We do not want a decoupling of China, but a de-risking in our dealings with China. 
The term de-risking refers to limiting Europe's dependence on China. The two diplomats made the remarks today after a French cabinet meeting in Paris. They urged Beijing to pressure Russia over Ukraine. Barack pointed to China's status as a UN Security Council member, adding the position brings not only rights, but duties as well. The European Commission recently proposed trade curbs on a few Chinese firms. That's part of its crackdown on companies aiding Moscow in its war effort. During his European trip this week, Chinese Foreign Minister Qing Gang responded. He said China would react strictly and strongly if any sanctions were imposed on the companies. UK Trade Minister Lord Dominic Johnson is in Hong Kong. It's the first visit to the city by a UK minister since 2018. The trade talks have faced criticism from lawmakers and human rights activists, especially after the controversial attendance of top Chinese official Han Jin at the king's coronation. Here's NTD's Jane Worrell with more. Well, Trade Minister Lord Dominic Johnson is in Hong Kong today to talk about increasing business links between the UK and the former British colony, including investment in financial services. This, of course, comes after a highly controversial decision to allow a top Chinese official, Han Zeng, to attend the King's coronation. Now, Han Zeng had earlier oversaw the crackdown of civil liberties in Hong Kong. Now, critics see the trade minister's visit as the latest attempt from the government to forge closer links to the Chinese regime. Lord Johnson, however, has said he would call out the violation of Hong Kongers' freedoms. He said in a statement, I'm clear that we will not look the other way on Hong Kong or duck our historic responsibilities to its people and that we will continue to stand up for them, call out the violation of their freedoms and hold China to their international obligations. But Benedict Rogers, CEO of Hong Kong Watch, says that the visit is ill-judged and it's not time for business as usual. Now this news that Lord Johnson is uh, visiting Hong Kong uh, on a trade mission is, um, is further evidence of the government, in my view, moving entirely in the wrong direction. And particularly at a time when uh, China has so blatantly not just violated, but effectively torn up the Sino-British Joint Declaration. Um, we should not be uh, doing business as usual with Hong Kong. We should actually be uh, looking at sanctions and other countermeasures um, as consequences for what uh, China has done to Hong Kong. So I think it's a, a very bad move that he's on this visit. In 2020, Beijing imposed a draconian national security law on Hong Kong, which the government has condemned. Now, the former Tory leader, Sir Ian Duncan Smith, told Politico, why is it that we are about to prostrate ourselves in front of a government that treats us like dirt? While Tim Lawton MP said, not a good look, following hard on the heels of the architect of suppression of the people of Hong Kong, being fated at the coronation. Jane Worrell, NTD News, London. Coming up, is the U.S. still the dominant world power, or is it all just an act? How does that tie into Beijing's raids on three American companies in recent months? And what's really happening with U.S.-China relations? It's not just money risk. It's personal risk for your employees in China. And you have to understand that it's a different world that's evolving today, and China wants to completely control that world, and they will never coexist with any other nation-state. Casey Fleming, CEO of Black Ops Partners, breaks it down. His comments after the break, here on China In Focus.
Welcome back to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. Chinese authorities have raided the offices of three American companies within as many months. With China expanding its spying law and the U.S. upping scrutiny on Chinese apps like TikTok, CapCut and Xi'an, is a decoupling already in play? We spoke to Casey Fleming, CEO of Black Ops Partners, about what's really going on. He says America's time as the world's leading power is over, but that Washington is still acting like nothing has changed. Casey Fleming, thank you so much for joining us. Great to have you back on the show. Thank you for having me. I want to zoom in on the U.S.-China business community because it seems a lot of foreign businesses in China have been raided recently. We're seeing Capvision, Bain, and the Mintz Group. What are you seeing happening going forward? Are we going to see less foreign businesses in China? We are definitely seeing less foreign business, uh, less foreign businesses in China. Um, we've been seeing this going on for really heavily over the last year, which is decoupling. As companies see what their risk is in continuing to do business in China, they've been decoupling. Not only that, on the other side, the CCP has been rapidly decoupling um, in preparations for, uh, quote, war, whether that's Taiwan or otherwise. Um, so you're seeing it really on both sides. So now you're also seeing the CCP really crank down on those companies that have access to data, Chinese data, CCP data that can be used against them. So you're, you're actually seeing this totalitarian regime go into lockdown. And Casey, I want to zoom in on the data part because China recently announced amendments to a 2014 counter-espionage law. Now it's been broadened to include data and digital. But that's only set to kind of hit in July, but we're already seeing that kind of play out in terms of these companies that have been raided. So how is that going to shake up the business world, especially in China? Well, it already has because companies doing business in China are ordered by Chinese communist law to share all of their data and all of their IP with the Chinese Communist Party, and they're ordered to work with a sister company in China, uh, which is completely controlled by the CCP. And they are, again, ordered to turn over all data and intellectual property. Now think about that. You want us to turn over all of our research and the R&D, research and development, all of our dollars that caught, would cost us to develop that R&D, and to turn it over to our competitor, who we know is going to use it against us economically to produce our products at a much lower price to our customers. And with that, part of this amended law basically includes anything that's of national interest or national security to China, but they don't define exactly what that is. So how do foreign companies know if they're running afoul of the law in China? What is the impact here? You don't know when you're running afoul because that's why it is vague and ambiguous, okay? So that keeps the CCP in control, and that means that they can take their long arm of their law and exercise it at any point in any time. Not to mention the next step of uh, uh, raiding companies for data is holding their executives and their employees in detention camps. So you have to understand this, you know, <clears throat> We've been seeing this for years. Uh, it is absolutely being uh, uh, increased at this time. But you have to understand what the risk is. It's not just money risk. It's personal risk for your employees in China. And you have to understand that it's a different world that's evolving today. And China wants to completely control that world. And they will never coexist with any other nation state. 
And Casey, with the business wargaming in particular, what do you say to businesses when they're thinking about, oh, China is the world's second largest economy, we have these fiduciary you know, op uh, obligations to our clients, how do they balance that? Well, you have to understand. They have to look at the bigger picture. They have to look at history. The, the point is, would you still invest in uh, the Nazi regime in World War II or the Japanese regime that's meant to, and hell-bent on taking over the world? Would you still give them oil? Would you still give them uh, capital? Would you still invest in their economy? And uh, you know, it, even if it meant that it's going to weaken uh, and harm American soldiers and American citizens going forward. And our problem in the United States is we focus on a quarterly economy and we have to make those numbers for the quarter and the year. And we always kick the can down the road and think that next year will be, it's far away, I don't have to worry about it. Well, next year is here. You know, the next five years and 10 years is here. And you're seeing it in the news day after day, day after day. Casey Fleming, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, it's a pleasure. That's all for today's China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. If you have any feedback on the show or have something you'd like to see us cover, send us an email at chinainfocus at ntd.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for watching. See you tomorrow.